0: Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. And welcome back. Another edition of Kevin's Corner. We're just two weeks out from the NFL draft. It's crazy how Mm -hmm. it is already here one month into free agency. um, We're going to kind of go over the winners and losers so far. Of Colts free agency, there's been activity. Um, there's been guys that have left the building. That's kind of opened up opportunities, or you know, maybe made some other people uneasy uh, over there at West 56th Street. So we'll talk about that on today's po- uh, today's pop quiz. on today's um, <laughs> podcast. And uh, as always, get into Twitter questions. I'm Kevin Bowen, and uh, he is Chris Presley. Chris, good Wednesday morning to you.
1: Good Wednesday morning to you as well. Um, how did you enjoy the Masters this weekend? I know this is that was one of your favorite weekends of the year. Yes,
0: yes, yes, yes. Um, I enjoyed it. I, I, I always do. Um, I will be selfish. I would love a little bit more back nine drama. You know, I don't know how much of a racing audience we have, but it'd be like the Indy Five Hundred winner. You know, taking the lead on lap one fifty and winning by about five or six seconds. Awesome. By Scotty Scheffler, uh, awesome. Um, loved him kind of opening up a little bit after the final round as well and just talking about how nervous he was and really kind of overcome with emotion Sunday morning thinking he wasn't ready for that moment and, and couldn't handle it. I thought that was a really kind of cool behind the scenes look at it. But man, just... It's three masters in a row. Where we've just lacked a little bit of juice there, yeah, on the back nine. And I don't know. Maybe that's you know the golf gods saying, Kevin, you got Tiger in 2019. Just shut up and watch <laughs> the tournament and enjoy it. So, uh, if that is indeed the case, um, I will shut up.
1: But great now, weather. Yeah, uh, Saturday at least, for, at least for Sunday. Saturday
0: was a little dicey for old Eldrick out there in the cold. But uh, now Sunday was gorgeous absolutely gorgeous so
1: so i know we're not i know we're not a golf podcast so yeah. i don't, I don't want to dig in too much but is Scheffler going to be a spieth or is he going to be a tiger or is he going to be somewhere in between
0: yeah i you know odds are you would say in between i mean he's had a very i mean he really had a decorated junior and amateur and collegiate career um what really impressed me i thought the whole tournament is like for a big dude i mean he's He's one of the taller golfers out there. great hands like his up and downs his short game was brilliant all week long. I mean the run isn't absurd of what he's been on for two months. you know it's kind of funny. He started this run on Super Bowl Sunday mm-hmm. He makes the cut on the number so literally could have not seen the weekend at Phoenix, the wild waste management you know tournament that everybody loves People yeah throw beer on the greens and whatnot. <laughs> Makes a cut on the number, shoots 60-something, 60-something on the weekend, beats Patrick Cantlay in a playoff, and that started everything. It's just – you can say this about any sport, but it's just so fickle, the difference between, you know, what could have or did ignite a run, Tiger-like run that he's had for two months, um, or if he misses that cut, you know, where is he at confidence-wise and, and yeah. things like that. But, um, I mean, he's a great player, but, you yeah. know. I can't go full on tiger. <laughs> can't do it.
1: I I I did, I did feel bad about seeing the limp, but anyway, let's
0: Yeah, he looked like an NFL player.
1: Yeah, he did. You know. And and let's talk about Monday some NFL Tuesday. players here on The Winners and Losers. You can always obviously we we preach this every time on the podcast 1075thefan.com. Kevin does a great job about not only reporting verbally to you guys, but also being a reporter when it comes to writing and articles and things of that nature. Winners and losers of free agency. Let's talk about that. Where do you want to start when we talk about that?
0: Yeah, let's go over the winners first. Um, And and I I think the first winner you got to point out is Frank Reich. As much as Frank wanted Carson Wentz back and as much as he would have been content with that and um, believing that the Colts could reach a higher level with Wentz in a second season, Deep down, he knows that Matt Ryan is probably the better quarterback. And I think we have to remember what Frank Reich allows his QB to do. He allows his QB to have virtually full control at the line of scrimmage. That's a whole lot of belief and um, just a lot on the plate of a quarterback. So I say that to say Matt Ryan's mental acumen should have Frank Reich in a better position, feel more confident, more comfortable in those moments there of just a little bit more of a stable QB when it comes to that aspect of it. So um, when you're the play caller, when you're the head coach, I think Matt Ryan, as much as Frank maybe wouldn't want to admit it, I think Matt Ryan makes you sleep better at night than Carson Wentz.
1: Yeah. Also, Naheem Hines comes back. He can be a little bit of a wrinkle. We'll see what he can do. And then Kylan Granson, hopefully we can see – his progression as he goes into his second year in the NFL.
0: Yeah, I think both of these guys are in-house guys, Chris, that even back in January, the Colts kind of lamented the fact that they didn't get either of them more involved. You know, Hines, first off, Hines makes too much money to, pay, to play too little. And it was weird. If you look at his playing time last year, he didn't play a whole lot. Now, I know a lot of people will be like, well, yeah, because Jonathan Taylor was given the ball a whole lot yes and no sure that's part of it but like we've talked about it for years well i guess now for three years chris going into this third year mm-hmm. put those two on the field together you know yeah um i felt like that package was underutilized last year and there has been talk of you know heinz in the slot which you watch how free agency plays out a month into it how wild is this chris well i'll wait on that um Hines, given the fact that you haven't done anything at wideout, it makes sense him more in the slot. Granson, you know, Jack Doyle played a whole lot for you. So, I mean, from a playing time standpoint, they aren't the same player by any means, but just from a playing time standpoint at tight end, your two tight end sets are going to look a little bit different. So, I'd classify both those guys in the winner category.
1: Obviously, like I said, you can go to 1075thefan.com. We're not going to hit on all of these different things, uh, different topics that has put down, but DeForest Buckner is another winner in your book.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I think the arrival of Ngakwe is just huge for Buckner. Um, we had Joe Wrights on earlier this week on our morning show, and if you guys missed that, feel free. Kevin and Corey shows to check out Joe Wrights and Gary Brackett, both on our show on Tuesday. Um, but, you know, I asked Wrights kind of about, you know, when it comes from a game plan standpoint, and you're an offensive line, if you were game planning for the Colts over the past few years – I would say on the third down, you come to the line of scrimmage and you're curious where 99's lining up. Mm -hmm. You're going to be curious about it come this fall again, but you're also going to have to keep an eye out on where Ngakwe is lining up and just making sure that, okay, you have proper attention to an edge presence that, frankly, I guess a little bit of Justin Houston, but um, Buckner gets doubled a whole, whole lot. And if you can create a few more one-on-one chances for him, because I – Buckner's been a really good player for you. Selfishly, I still think you want just a hair more. I think you want him on that all-pro level of you're naming a defensive tackle and then he might be the second defensive tackle. Yeah, you're, you're naming Aaron Donald and DeForest Buckner is the second defensive tackle that you're naming in the league. Right. Um, I think that's kind of the next step. And, again, I, I don't put it all at a fault of him because I just don't think you've had enough individual presence around him to really command attention elsewhere. So I would consider Buckner a definite, definite winner um, here in free agency. Thanks to Ngakwe's arrival.
1: And I think when people look at the article under the headline losers, losers, they might be a little surprised with the first two names, but yeah, let's let's, let, let's lump those together. Matt Ryan and Jonathan Taylor.
0: Let's hit on just those other winners, if you don't mind, Chris. Yeah, go for it. Um, before we get to those losers, because I I, I kind of wrote a separate article on this, um, because right now we are a month into free agency, and again, no wideout has been signed. And Frank Reich mentioned this back at the combine, of we need one of those young wideouts to emerge. So to me, it was like, is this a precursor to the lack of activity you're about to have in free agency? You know, obviously hindsight's really 2020, and looking back on it. Right. But Chris, you look at the names, and Pittman doesn't fall into this group. I don't think Paris Campbell falls into it because the injury history is the injury history. But you look at Ashton Doolin, Kiki Kuti, Desmond Patman, Mike Strawn, DeMichael Harris, if you're the family members of those players, you need to be doing backflips yeah. <laughs> around your homes because the Colts have done nothing at that position group. So, your, you know, children, sons, nephews, you know, brothers, husbands, whatever what you call it, they now have gone from you know, boy, I just hope, you know, they make the team to oh my gosh, they could be the number 3 wideout, number 4 wide playing a lot for you. So, if you were these young wideouts, and again, Frank hinted at this back in February of, like, we need one of those guys to emerge. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll get more into, like, who that could be later. Um, but if you are in that group, you are very, very happy. I'd put two other young—I think they were in the same draft. I think they were. Two other young guys um, as a winner. I'd put Danny Pinter, and i put Isaiah Rogers. Mark Gawinski Chris Reed, gone. A little bit surprising both are gone in my eyes. That means Danny Pinter, who I don't think has ever started at right guard. Don't think he started in the NFL. I think all starts here have been at center. Center, yeah. And then at Ball State, I believe it was tight end straight to tackle. I don't think it was any guard history. And I I don't, if you even want to go back to his, I think he was a South Bend Adam product, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I don't believe he ever started there. So, um, it's, it's right guard. You know, I'm not you know, losing sleep. But, you know, it's it, it's a new position. Uh, But it's a guy they have loved. Loved, loved, loved throughout. So you would think on paper right now Danny Pinter's your starter, right guard. Uh, the other name would be Isaiah Rogers. I mean, Chris, if you're going to go play football tomorrow and you're going to line up in a three-cornerback group, who's next to Kenny Moore?
1: Yeah, it's got to be Rogers, right?
0: I would say Rogers, and I would say Brandon Faison. You know, from a or, pure, you know, again, three-cornerback group. We're talking nickels. Right, all, right. all of them would be on the field together. If you look at just from a pure playing time standpoint where you've lost the most, wideout is high on the list with T.Y. Hilton being a free agent, Zach Pascal going to the Eagles. I mean, what about corner? Rock you seen? Right now, Xavier Rhodes and T.J. Carey remain free agents. You've lost a whole lot of playing time at corner, so... A couple of day three picks. It's understandable why the Colts feel like they deserve this this opportunity. Like I, I don't want to doubt that. You know, it's I get the Colts' line of thinking here. Um, it hurts your depth a little bit, just thrusting these guys into starting duties. But at the same time, I think both of them have shown flashes to say, "All right, it's time to give them these chances." So uh, those are who I would slot into the winner group. I know some people are like, you know, what about Matt Pry? I wanted to go with, like, no one they re-signed. Yeah, that that, makes sense. That's why I left him off there. I think everybody I have on this group um, was already under contract.
1: So, with Isaiah playing more on the field defensively, do you think his returns? Yeah. Do you think they limit what he does on special teams?
0: That's a good question. You know, I've thought that about Naeem Hines over the years with punt return. You know, do you limit him a little bit? Now, granted, he didn't play a whole lot offensively, so it's kind of like, oh, boy, well, Hines' only chance to get a touch is a punt nowadays. (laughs) Um, Maybe a little bit. I mean, Rodgers, I think, has been an effective kick returner. I kind of like, you know, I feel like he he gives you a little bit of hope and gives you a burst and some life back there, so – but, man, if he's a full-time starter, especially too, Chris, like if you just come off of a 10-11 play drive, you know, do you throw him back there? It's a good question. I haven't given it too much thought. Uh, but, yeah, that's probably a question uh, to look into here with off-season program starting on Monday, which is crazy. Crazy, if the off-season program starting yeah, on Monday.
1: Yeah, we talked about it last week, the bell curve. We're, we're now on the the downslope, which yeah. is obviously one of our favorite times of the year, and We're going to get right back into it. Let's go to, in this in your article, there are losers. There are three. Yeah. Let's uh, hit on. You have Matt Ryan, Jonathan Taylor, and Reggie Wayne, which totally understandable, and I will let you explain why.
0: Let's start with Matt Ryan, Chris. Matt Ryan gets traded here to the Colts. Can you imagine telling Matt Ryan, hey, Matt, welcome to Indy. We're going to go a full month, and we're not going to sign a single offensive free agent. Yeah. Can you imagine the look on Matt Ryan's face?
1: He's like, I'm moving where?
0: Yeah. <laughs> hey, got a couple sons that, you know, catch the ball in the backyard. Could they play for him? <laughs> like, I mean, not Oon, not not one. I, it, it's wild, you know, to think any position. I'm not even talking wide out, you know, or or, or tight end, like an offensive lineman. Um, you know, it, it's, it's just crazy that uh, we are a month into this and not one certainly Matt Ryan is going to welcome Jonathan Taylor, obviously. But when it comes to the weapon department, the wideout tie-in group is probably one of the worst or the least proven in the NFL, or both, if you want to throw both of that in there. Um, you know. Also, it's a first-time starter at his blind side. We'll get more into Matt Pryor. I think we got a Twitter question about that, so we'll get more into that a little bit later. But... um, you guys have heard me talk about support a whole lot, and it's just it's very interesting to me. And, and we'll get into a debate and Twitter questions about it. Of, I am on the camp of you do not take quarterback off the draft pick table. You don't. And I know some of my colleagues disagree with that. Um, and I'll, I'll try to explain myself here in a few minutes about that. Um, I understand people that are in the win-now camp, but like the Colts just haven't operated in the win now camp this past month um and I I think finding that balance would have helped your situation entering the draft which is two weeks from tomorrow there but yeah Matt Ryan welcome to Indy but the support man I I there's a lot to be desired in that group here on April 13th
1: yeah and I feel like when you're a captain like Matt Ryan um like you said even if it's a and not to take anything away from a, a second or third string offensive lineman, someone for him to reach out to and say, hey, welcome to Indy. Can't, <laughs> yeah. can't wait to work with you. You know, just right. just spark some sort of enthusiasm in him, and they've not had that so You know, far. it's
0: one of those orientation groups where Matt Ryan's going to be like, you know, Will Smith walking into the room <laughs> and the gif of, like, looking around like, oh, it's just me. Yeah. Okay, let's break up into defense orientation and offense orientation. Oh, just you, Matt? Okay, okay. <laughs> Boy, well, you'll get a lot of one-on-one time here with David Thornton as you're you're welcoming to Indianapolis. Yeah, it's just, it, it it's odd. It's odd, and I don't get it.
1: Let's talk about Jonathan Taylor, obviously the guy that he's going to be handing the ball off to. Clearly, they probably are going to have a great relationship. Both very smart. Both know what they're doing. And it seemed like Matt Ryan during his press conference said, yeah, I went back and looked through a lot of uh, – highlights about this guy, like, oh, okay, this is what we got to do against Buffalo. But why is Jonathan Taylor a loser here?
0: You know, it all kind of follows a similar theme here, Chris, of just taking more off the run game's plate. And I don't think you did that here, or have done that so far, with Taylor. Um, Opposing defenses. You know, I've talked about this with the Ngakwe thing. The, The thing I love about the trade for... Yanni Kangakwe is this, Chris opposing offense coordinators on a Monday and Tuesday. Now sit there and think, man, we got ready for the Colts last year. The front four didn't have this guy at defensive end. Now we got to think a little bit more. Now we got a game plan a little bit more opposing defenses. Look at the Colts offense and they go back to their blueprint and they, and they are like, Oh man, we can still load the box just as much as we would like to with Taylor. Like there's no threat. So for Taylor, I feel bad for him because opposing defense is just going to say, screw it, here's eight, here's nine, whatever. Good luck. You know, that will be the approach. Um, You know, there are two new starters on the offensive line. I think you got to note that as well. And as much as Eric Fisher had issues in protection, he was a pretty good run blocker for you last year. So I do think you'd need to note that as well. Um, So that's where I would slot Taylor into the loser category loser is a very strong term you know we all have been on the playground and called somebody a loser Um, it's offensive there's a reason you got in trouble for it you know back in the day so I know loser comes off as pretty aggressive but you know if I'm going to call people a winner you know I can't be like uh, uh, people that might not be very pleased with how the off season has operated that's too politically correct if I'm going to call somebody a winner, you know the other side's going to be a loser. So yeah,
1: there are no, there are no participation trophies yes, here on Kevin's you. quarter.
0: Right. This is not Rosie completing her <laughs> swim lessons, which let's just say Carmel High School not going to be recruiting Rosie Bow to swim.
1: Is She not a water bug. Eh,
0: boy, it was a um, yeah, it was a battle. She is, say the she
1: least. has plenty of years to learn, and obviously lake houses and things to go to. So Gosh. she she will be just fine. Yeah. Let's like let's that. go to the last one. Reggie Wayne, obviously coming back. Everyone excited to have this man in hall of hall of Famer yes, back in the building be. uh as we all would say a hall of Famer back in the building and what what can he do with this wide receiver core
0: you know at 43 can he suit up
1: <laughs> right
0: it was fun i was out there on monday chris the local pro day was out there and um you know reggie Wayne had his gloves on i mean he he, he, he looked ready to go uh, getting ready to coach up the wideouts. Ty Freifogel from Indiana. Uh, David Bell not participating from Purdue. Jackson Anthrop had a really nice end to his career at Purdue as well.
1: Yep. He's a little jitterbug as well. He yeah, can, very, he can kind of jitterbug. do a little little everything. So
0: You know, it's one of those things I walk into the Colts local pro day. And for those that don't know the parameters on it, basically think of if you played high school football within like a, I don't know, 100-ish mile radius of Indianapolis, you can attend the local pro day. If you went to IU, Purdue, Illinois was the other popular one. Um, I think Notre Dame goes to the Bears or Lions Pro Day, so Notre Dame misses the cutoff there. Okay. But I'm walking in the Pro Day I'm thinking, man, 32 teams around the league have this. Boy, did the Colts get the short end of the stick on their talent pool in their backyard. I get it why the NFL does it. it it's great PR. It's, you know, it's smart to do. Um, there are some opportunities for guys from Marion or um, – you know, what? insert your small college play. I think UND, UND has had some players yeah. over the years. It's an awesome opportunity. And, and, and the Colts, they don't mess around with it. I mean, Ballard's out there. Reich's out there. Every coach is out there. The scouts are out there. I mean, the, the and there are guys that will be drafted. Um Sterling Weatherford, a safety from Hamilton Heights, played at Man of Ohio. He'll probably be drafted. A Ben Davis kid who played at Minnesota, he'll probably get drafted. I mentioned Bell and Mike McFadden from IU. Carl Loftus wasn't there, which I don't blame him. He's going to be a first-round pick probably. But anyways, I'm just sitting there looking at it being like, boy, I think if I walked into the Dolphins one, I think if I walked into the Falcons one, I think if I walked into the Rams or Chargers, Texans, Cowboys, (laughs) it might look a little different than the old uh, Indy local pro day looks. uh, But, nonetheless, watching Reggie Wayne out there just kind of was a reminder of like, oh wow, Reggie Wayne is (laughs) the wide receivers coach. It was a reminder of that. Uh, For a first year NFL coach, you're certainly giving him a cupboard that uh, it's probably time to go on a grocery run, Reg. There's not a lot of stock in that cupboard there for Reggie. So, that is where I would consider it kind of a loser offseason for him. It's a lot of development. Um, he's going to need a lot of hands-on. And again, you're doing it with a wideout group that has to get used to a new quarterback as well, which is kind of another layer to this. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens in the draft, which obviously, you know, you'd expect wideout to be an early pick. And I would say this for any position, Chris, is the hit rate in the NFL probably a little bit higher than the NBA? Without a doubt. You know, I, I think you've, see a little bit more of a success rate in the NFL than the NBA when it comes to draft. It's still a crapshoot. It's still difficult to get the hit. Um, You see misses in the top 10, certainly. But when your first pick is 42 and then your next pick is 73, again, the hit rate drops. And I am, I mean, Chris Ballard had said this quite often. Expect, there are a lot of wideouts that now get drafted and get graded. In NFL drafts, that's how the game has evolved and the 7-on-7 seven seven nature and all of that. Mm-hmm. But just because there's more there doesn't mean that there's, you know, uh, it's easier to find instant impact from that group. That is not the case. It has not been easier. And Ballard said that. you It's not a guarantee that just because there's more of them that you find instant impact day one. I mean, Michael Pittman had an injury a- a- as a rookie, but even when he was healthy, it's not like he took the NFL by storm. Sure, you find some guys that do have early impacts, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, but there are also some slower processes with that that sort of position there, particularly when you are drafting a little bit later. So um, I think that's something as a reminder. So, yeah, just some winners and losers. Um, at this point in the offseason, Chris, you know, 20-ish million. We see the Colts make some signings. Uh, Rodney McLeod. Uh, Brandon King when they signed Brandon King I'm thinking wait isn't he calling South Bend Cubs games
1: <laughs> shout out to our friend Brendan I
0: thought that was Brendan King <laughs> you guys have heard on this podcast and certainly on he's our, up with the
1: uh 10 caps this weekend I'm our pretty sure airwaves.
0: yeah what is he are they playing in Fort Wayne or is he broadcasting 10 cap games
1: so he's still with the Cubs but they're in Fort Wayne this weekend
0: got it got it got it's so just a little road game yep um Let's quickly go over those two signings. I know I didn't mention this to you before, but Rodney McLeod signed on, what would that have been, Friday at this point? Um, Rodney. Isn't that a strong name? Love Rodney. Him and Matt Ryan, the only Colts over the age of 30. <laughs> kind of wild. It was so roster funny roster because things.
1: for so long, Vinatieri kind of tilted the, yeah, <laughs> the scale a of, bit. oh, the Colts. It's like, well we got a 40-something-year-old kicker on our roster. Oh, shit.
0: I mean, shit, 47 or 40. I mean, hell, he's been way up there over the years. Um, I look at the McLeod signing as this. Quarterback of the secondary, veteran voice back there. Think Mike Mitchell, think Mike Adams. You know, I think it's always an important thing to have. It seems like the Colts secondary has always been really youthful. And you probably could say that about a lot of teams around the league with the defensive backs. But um, he's got over 120 starts in his career. He started pretty much, he's been durable, pretty much since 2013, um, he's been a starter. I know he tore his ACL a few years ago, but for the most part, he's been durable mm-hmm. around that. I look at this and say, whenever Julian Blackman gets back, this is your starter next to Kari Wilson until that time. You know, Blackman tore the Achilles late October, so I look at that signing um, I also think to myself, all right, you know, is Gus Bradley going to explore th- multiple safety packages? Is that something that that, that you want to go with? Um, I do think this takes you out of the Tyron Matthew sweepstakes. I don't think of McLeod as a special team guy. I think of him as a um, starter with Blackman's injury situation and then kind of a rotational guy mm-hmm. after that. Uh, Frank Reich certainly has history with him from the Philly days, so Frank Reich's seen him. You know, up close and whatnot. And then the other signing was, like I said, Brandon King. This is one of the more wilder stats I've ever come across of in my, you know, whatever it is, 10, 11 years now covering the NFL. Brandon King has been in the league since 2015, Chris, and he plays defense. I'm willing to bet if you've been in the league for that long, he might be the only dude in the NFL who has played that long in the NFL and has dose defensive snaps in his entire career. All special teams. <laughs> 1,390 special team snaps and two defensive snaps. He's what? played 73 games. And, and I, I'll get a little nerdy for a second, but Chris, like, th- think about it. You dress 46 guys on game day. You know, if you dr- if you dress on the defensive side of the ball, there is I mean you rotate in defense more than you on offense. correct. There correct. is a good chance you're going to get into the football game period. Certainly, over 73 games, there's probably a good chance where how many times have the Colts lost like two defensive backs in the first half and you hear you know the broadcast crew, Well, yeah. they're down to their last corner, mm-hmm. they're down to their last safety, <laughs> you know, and you kind of get in scramble mode of like, how has that never happened to Brandon King? Where, like, the Patriots have had a couple injuries in the, in the first half, and all of a sudden Brandon King plays 20 snaps.
1: He's just got to be itching to get in there. <laughs> I mean,
0: Yeah, it's wild. Um, <laughs> so look at him as, like, exclusive special teamer. Uh, Bubba Ventrone would be the connection there. Bubba yep. in New England before coming here to Indy. So Brandon King, undrafted out of Auburn in 2015. Uh, look at him as a, uh, as a special
1: teamer. Would you like to jump to Twitter questions? Yes,
0: yes. Thank you for letting me throw in those um, those yeah, for sure. signings.
1: All right, let's go to Country Boy Edie. Is it ridiculous to already have an eye on multiple years into the future, specifically talking about the planning on the win now with Matt Ryan for the f- next few years and the advantage of taking, taking advantage of the primes of Darius Leonard, Quentin Nelson, Michael Pittman, Jonathan Taylor, followed by a tank for someone like Arch Manning. Oh, boy. Here we go. We're going to go from... Tank it
0: for Arch. Where's Arch going?
1: I, th- I think he ends up at Ole Miss. I really do. Ole Miss or Texas A&M?
0: Man, that's a lot of pressure on you. I mean, hell, it's going to be pressure on him anywhere. If his last name was Presley or Bowen, do you think he'd be ranked this high?
1: From what I've seen, he's good. Yeah. And I wonder... I loved watching
0: his basketball highlights the other day.
1: So Tennessee, yeah, it's kind of like the Jay Cutler, like, oh, wow, this guy can actually play play some ball too. Um, Tennessee just got an NIL deal with a quarterback who's a five-star coming out next year. $8 million.
0: Yeah, I saw that.
1: Is what they're paying. He was wearing pajamas or something. (laughs) something. (laughs) So if he's getting $8 million. Maybe you're tanking for him, right? What are you doing for Arch Manning? What, I mean – could you imagine how much money that that kid's gonna produce for school?
0: It's a great point. <laughs> um, country boy Eddie, I appreciate the question here. Um, the debate: when now versus Matt Ryan? Right. You know, what do you do at quarterback? Uh, to me, when you don't have the answer, or the answer is thirty-seven years old, which I think Matt Ryan turns thirty-seven here in a couple weeks, quarterback is never off the table. Can't be off the table. Um, if you look at the last decade, Chris, in the second round, there's been a few more hits at quarterback than I think you would initially think. Um, I'm not acting like it's a gold mine. I'm not acting like the success rate is 80 or 90%. But the hit rate has been a little bit closer to 50-50 than I think a lot of people would believe there. Um My questions are kind of this. The old, you have to win now, you have to support Matt Ryan. If that was the goal, if that was the focus, you just wasted a month of the offseason. There's no guarantee that you... I mean, Reggie Wayne did not come in and impact the NFL day one. There's no guarantee that you draft this dude at 42 overall, Christian Watson, Sky Moore, whoever, and he's going to come in here and instantly impact things. Hell, there's a maybe better than 50-50 chance by the time he becomes a real impactful guy in the NFL, Matt Ryan is gone. Matt Ryan has retired. Yeah, so, true. um I don't want to see the Colts screwed at quarterback like they were screwed and still are screwed post Anthony Costanzo at left tackle, post-Philip Rivers at quarterback. In both those cases, you thought Costanzo was going to play longer than he did. You thought Rivers was going to play longer than he did. And now here we are, Chris, what – three years removed from mm-hmm. both of those two, I don't know. And you're still searching for the answers there. I know Matt Ryan has said he wants to play, you know, long, and the contract situation is there. His family situation is not the same as Rivers. I get all that. But that position, I think, means way too much to not have some passing of the torch to be there. Also, I mean, don't you want to kind of – get a QB in here to, to be a sponge with Matt Ryan? Isn't that part of the appeal with him as well? Um, I think you got to factor that in there. And, and, you know, part of this, I think we bring it up because you see the Malik Willis visit to Indy. You mm-hmm. see the Sam Howell visit to Indy. The Colts have not done this in past years. And, you know, Jake query our, our morning show co-host with me, has kind of been like, well, could this be a smokescreen? I don't think so, Chris. I mean, top 30 visits, you get 30 visits with draft prospects to your own city. So think of it like an official recruiting visit right? that you bring that player to your building. It's not like going to a pro day. You know, I see all these reports about Colts represented at you know the North Dakota State Pro Day. Well, no shit. If you're the area scout in the Plains, you're showing up to those pro days. What else are you doing? Like, right. It's yeah. your job to show up to those pro days. The top 30 visits are a little different for me. I mean, you are – do you really want to try and be like smoke and mirrors and be like, watch this, we're going to bring in a quarterback and they're going to think we're trading up and now they're going to do something differently. That's a little bit too chess matchy for me.
1: Yeah, you're doing your due diligence at that point.
0: You're doing some real homework here on these top 30 guys. Right. Um, And I get it, and it's it it, it makes sense for me. Again – Um. Ballard said back in January, sometimes you can't always get short-term and long-term solved in the same roster move, but that doesn't mean that you only do one or the other. Like, sometimes you could try and do both, and I think that would be this. Um, you know, I, I've talked about it before, giving Frank Reich a swing with kind of a more more of a legitimate bat at the plate. I made this analogy this morning on our morning show, so apologize for anyone that heard it, but... You ever played beer league softball, Chris?
1: Uh, exclusively. That's oh, every year.
0: I love mean. hearing that. Um, <laughs> group of me, group group of my my buddies and I played right after college. And, you know, we're getting ready for the game. We're thinking to ourselves, oh, we don't have a bat. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we're like, oh, we'll just get a lost and found bat. You know, I mean, we're athletes. You know, we know what we're doing here. We'll be fine. So, you know, we get the lost and found bat you know, this and that, we can't get the freaking ball out of the infield. I mean, we just, grounder to shore, grounder, I mean, we're sprinting to first base trying to beat out these balls, and you know, we're playing a bunch of 50-year-old dudes that are just raking it to the outfield. I mean, they've got the prettiest looking Easton TPX, I don't even Mm -hmm. know what the brands are, but man, they're just small balling us to death. I look at the Sam Ellinger pick and the Jacob Eason pick as a little bit of Chris Ballard using our bats, our softball bats. It's a swing at the position, and I think it's smart to take swings at the position, but you're not doing it with the big barrel. The guys on the other side of the diamond, they used a bigger barrel. I look at that as potentially a drafting of a quarterback in the second round, trading late into the first round for that quarterback. At some point, you do need to swing – with a bigger barrel, I'm fine with swinging. Period, because that position means so much. So I will never view Ellinger and Easton as wasted draft picks. Quarterback means too much. Ellinger could be your backup for years to come. Like to me, totally good with it. But at some point, you got to get a top hundred drafted QB in this building, and see what Frank Wright can do. See if Matt Ryan can be a sponge to the guide. If Matt Ryan plays two years, all right, you can transition. You know, so many people say, well. Wait till next year. It's a deeper quarterback class. How many games do you think the Colts are going to win next year, Chris? Eight. Eight. I'd probably go a hair higher. Um, that gets you drafted, what, 18th, 20th overall? So you got to trade significantly up right. to get C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, whoever quarterback that you're throwing into. But what if the first and second overall, second overall pick is the Detroit Lions and the Houston Texans? I think those two teams are probably going to want C.J. Stroud and Bryce exactly. Young. Yep. So just banking on next year's draft, assuming that you can do that next year, is not a guarantee. And as much as we believe Matt Ryan will play, what if he falls off a little bit? You know, like, then you're sitting there thinking, oh, man, like, do we want to run it back with him for another year? Like, these are all the questions that go through my crazy mind <laughs> with this scenario. The moral is this. I'm not saying that you need to or necessarily have to draft a quarterback, but don't take it off the board. Do not take it off the board. I get win now. You had a month to do a lot of win now moves, and you decided to forego that offensively. So that idea is virtually out the window for me at this point. You can't rely on the draft to immediately hit Mm -hmm. the doubles and the triples or whatever. That's wishful thinking. So that is a long answer, Country Boy Eddie, to your question. Um, I hope that explains a little bit of it, but no, it was, yeah, I need a drink of water. It
1: was very, <laughs> very well said. And we're going to go to a question from Alex in regards to one of your articles that you wrote about the Colts receivers that Chris Ballard expects to shine out of that group. Which of them, if any, do you think will be meaningful contributors this season? And by meaningful, he's measuring that on at least 60% of the snaps, 500 plus yards and at least 3 touchdowns.
0: Oh boy. Boy, Alex, that's a great question. Um and I love you throwing out those specific numbers and to be fair, those are some those are some numbers. Yeah. Um
1: that is meaningful.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if Michael Pittman reached those numbers as a rookie. Granted, he did have the injury in there, but um you know Let, let let's start with Campbell. It, it's mm
1: mm-hmm. Mhm.
0: It's just crazy, Chris, that, like, in my mind with Campbell, I think he has had flashes. That's how I view Paris Campbell. But then I look at his raw numbers, and I'm like, oh, boy, those don't really back me up. Dude's played 15 games to pretty much a full season, and he's got 360 total yards of receiving. And, yeah. and the yards after catch number is so small. So, like, even if Campbell's healthy, it's kind and maybe the stop and go is, you know, hurt some of that and just a lack of practice time and all that. But, like, you know, then you go to Kiki Kouti, who has the most decorated resume of any of the other wideouts on your roster. Chris, he gives Paris a run for his money with his health.
1: Right. And you he's, know, all, and he's all, he always killed the Colts, too. <laughs>
0: what, and it seems like those are the only games he's healthy for. You know, yeah. it's like, uh, yeah, Kuti's got a hamstring injury. We'll, we'll we'll see if he can play. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, 8 for 95 against the Colts or <laughs> 11 for 115. So, again, I can't really – Kuti and Campbell both fall in the injury boat. So, if I had to pick one, it'd probably be Doolin. Um, but, again, you're projecting a little bit there. The guy's played over 40 games in his career, and he's never had more than two catches in a game. Yeah. Um, you see this Lane Kiffin prom photo?
1: I heard about it. Wasn't it with a bunch of the the young ladies from one of the high schools?
0: Yeah, jeez.
1: But I heard he reposted with also their prom dates with all the guys. Okay, wow. Well, so he tried to make up for it a little bit there.
0: Good on Lane there <laughs> for going both sides of the plate. Uh, you get an NFL owner or whatever hire Lane Kiffin again.
1: The funny thing is, it would be the Raiders. <laughs>
0: yeah, probably would be. If
1: there was any team yeah. that would do it again, it would probably be the Raiders.
0: Going back there. It, the other two names at wideout would be Desmond Patman and Mike Strong. Yeah. You know, the, those would be the two. Um, and even with them, it, it's what I think, and this goes back to kind of the Frank Wright comment about I think one of those guys will emerge. It's interesting to me, Chris, because it's not like, like Mo Alley Cox has had a month long run in his NFL career. Where it's like, wow, that dude can be a number one tight end. Like, he's had that, I think, a couple of different seasons in his career. You can't say that about any of these wideouts. Campbell's been health. Kuti, it's been health. Patman and Strawn, Patman's had two catches in two years. Right. Strawn plays week one and week two, and then it's like, <whistles> he's gone. So clearly he did something wrong. Um, and then Doolin, it's been mostly special teams. So it's not even like. I guess going back to your Scotty Scheffler comment earlier, it's not even like you have a Scotty Scheffler here. It's like this month run where it's just like, whoa, or this multi-game run where it's like, man, if we just gave that guy more of an opportunity, he could do it. You're really projecting some of these guys. So I'll i go with Doolin. You know, Strawn is just kind of so selective to me. It might not be 60% of the snaps, 500 yards. It might be like five touchdowns mm-hmm. because I think he can bring you that, that big body in the red zone. But, Alex, based off of your parameters, and I don't bet on injuries because I lose enough money gambling, and I'm not going to do that, <laughs> I will go with Ashton Doolin.
1: From Wake Spike, do you think that we trade back this year for picks to help get a quarterback next year? And secondly, what will be the most unexpected position that we draft someone at this year?
0: I like both these questions. Yeah. I like them a lot. Um, do you think we're going to trade back for picks this year? Um, you know, Chris, I was looking at like one of those trade capital or, excuse me, draft capital charts. Uh huh. And the Colts are 20, I think it's 28th in trade pick value, or excuse me, draft pick value this year. That's really small compared to what they're used to. Yeah. Um, this goes again stresses <laughs> the point of why didn't you do anything over the last month offensively uh, having said that you know knowing Chris Bowers MO you would feel like trading back would make sense if you have one eye looking towards next year are you thinking trade back for a 2023 pick to trade up for a quarterback I I, I don't know um, so I, I I think it's possible I do uh, but that's more of just giving Bowers MO to your second question wakes by Most unexpected position we draft someone at this year. That's a good one. This wouldn't be unexpected in the eyes of Ballard because he's a core believer in this position, but I think it would be unexpected to a lot of fans based off how they view the current roster. I'll say defensive end. If you look at the roster, where's the playing time there? And Quidi Pei, you think Taekwon Lewis, I mean, I, I can't even say Banagoo, but um, it doesn't appear to be on paper, you know, playing time there. And Ngakwe is in the final year of his contract. So that is something maybe you just need to cover your you-know-what mm-hmm. with a little bit there. And, again, it, it's a core position of Ballard, so maybe it's not totally unexpected. But I haven't seen anybody mock drafting to the Colts and having a defensive end in one of the first two or three picks. So, I'll go there. Okay.
1: Kevin, Creighton had a chance to look at Chris Reed's numbers with the Vikings. They signed him onto a two-year $1.7 million deal, and then two-point-seven the next. What backup offensive lineman that could turn into a starter are you going to pay a little bit more money to? He just doesn't get it.
0: Yeah, Creighton, I, I think there's a lot of people that have a similar line of thinking. One thing I'll say about Chris Reed is this. Uh, you might look it up as college, Chris Presley. I believe Minnesota State for Chris Reed. He was a track star there. Uh, now think of track as the field star, not necessarily the track portion right. of his days. I think he threw the hammer and did some other things there. Um, but yeah, it was like a national champion and whatnot. Yep,
1: Minnesota State.
0: Minnesota State there at the D2 level. Um, so, I, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like Minnesotans, if I'm saying that right, are rooted in there. I mean, there are a lot of lakes up there. I mean, yeah. Maybe they want to stay up there. So <laughs> um, I do think that is a part of it. But that deal is extremely small. So, I, Creighton, I don't know your answer fully. Um, but it is crazy to me that the Ballard aspect to of the offseason, while wide out, he's never been a big believer in. Offensive line, he has been. Offensive line depth, he has been a big believer in. And right now we're seeing a little bit of deviating from some of his core beliefs there. So that's mm-hmm. a little confusing to me.
1: Kevin, Sam wants to know with Matty ice as a clear upgrade from Carson Wentz, if you remove the quarterback, is the roster better or worse than last year? He feels like with the guys who we let walk and the lack of signings, which we talked about earlier in the podcast, it's hard for him to think that we've improved thus far.
0: You know, I know, um, Thank you, Sam, for the question. I know the pro football focus stuff has the Colts as like one of the more improved teams in the NFL this year. And unquestionably, quarterback and defensive end are two of the most important positions in football. And I think the Colts are definitely better there individually. One thing to note, though, again, going back to the Matt Ryan thing, is how much have you supported him to make sure he reaches the the normal Matt Ryan level. Defensive end and pass rush in general, I think you've certainly gotten better there. So it kind of goes back to roster building a little bit, Sam. Are you better at position one and two on a 53-man roster, but maybe you're not as good as one to 53? I think that's probably fair to say. The question, though, is if position one is quarterback, which I think it is, again, have you given him the resources necessary to reach the level of play that you expect from him? I think that is a very fair argument. Um, and I'd probably say no. Um, as of this point right now, we'll we'll, we'll see how everything else plays out. Um, man, Chris, I mean, the more I think about it, and I'll do my positional mock draft, maybe get into that a little bit on next week's podcast. Wide out and tight end, God, you need instant impact from it. Yeah, Man, you need it. You need it like you know a hungover person needs coffee in the morning to get that jolt back in their body.
1: And that's almost maybe a lot more than coffee. And that's like enjoy. going back to the old baseball chick stick the long ball. We're in that we're in that realm of offense. Yep. Put put if you have to put an ass in the seat, you need guys out there to receive the the football down the field.
0: Right. And do you have that, you know? Um so, it, it, it's a good question, Sam. Um I can probably listen to a lot of arguments on it. Again, much better at a couple really, really key spots, but specifically with quarterback enough support. And then depth. You know, the, there is – um if I had to make a 53-man roster right now, Chris, and, like, write guys down in Sharpie, hell, I don't know how many – do I get to 35? Do I get to 30? Like – you know, we, we, Sharpie, you know I'm talking we, we could be looking at a good amount of undrafted free agents here. Mm-hmm. You know, last year, was it none that made the team?
1: I don't think so. You would know.
0: I'm trying to think of the year before. The year before, I think it was just Hot Rod and then uh, Noah Eye, who you got as a <laughs> waiver claim from Philly. Yeah. But I, I don't, unless I'm missing somebody, I don't think anybody last year. I mean, this year, hell, if you told me three or four right now, I'd be like, okay, man, you know. You, you've lost six free agents, I believe, in house as of now. Like, I'm not even talking Ture, Eric Fisher, T.Y. Hilton. Why hasn't Michael Badgley been re signed?
1: It's a little shocking, right? You know, I mean, like, I, he dudes. proved himself last year, I, I thought.
0: It, that one's kind of weird to me. So, th- that number could grow to like 10 or 11. And the re signings you've had, you've re signed four of them and three play in the secondary. Or, excuse me, you've not re-signed them. You've gone outside your building right? Signed those guys. So, yeah.
1: Okay, we got a question from Steve. We got four more. Um, truly enjoys your reporting, Kevin. Would like to know if you can provide him any update on T.Y. Hilton. We obviously just talked about wide receivers. Thinks it would be a shame to see him in any other jersey, which I think most Colts fans would agree. Yeah. Um, but he also doesn't want to overpay him to keep him around just for one more year. So, what are your thoughts there?
0: Yeah, Steve, uh, you know, I, I think T. is weighing some things right now. Um, I I would not be giving him more than a couple million a year. You know, I, I've always thought this about wide out entering the off season. You got to act like Ty Hilton and Paris Campbell aren't on your roster. Technically, Ty is not on your roster. Correct. Um, now they haven't operated that. You know, they've and w- w- with Campbell. The thing about veterans right now in free agency, Chris, things can get real quiet. You know, there's the compensatory pick cutoff, which I think is coming up here of like if you wait and sign guys after that date, it doesn't count against the compensatory pick formula. You've got some vets that get into this spot of the offseason. Justin Houston might have might have uh, done it last year. They just say, screw it. I'll wait till week three of training camp Yeah, and come join you. Um, so I think that's something to watch as well but i i don't think the door has been slammed shut on ty hilton but again the right price the right value definitely there
1: kevin is it fair to say that frank reich isn't the best talent evaluator but rather a good talent maximizer it seems to logan that he chooses to acquire people on the roster such as carson wentz kylan granson paris campbell that don't necessarily seem to pan out which i don't think that's fair to say yet about granson um he seems to get the most out of the quarterbacks, though, so it seems to make up for some of those acquisition faults. What are your thoughts?
0: Okay. Um, you know, Logan, I, I, I hear you a little bit. I can't go there with Kylan Grantson. I mean, dude, the dude's played football for one year. I mean, I, I can't – you know, I'm not going there yet. Um, when you talk about draft picks, I, I truly believe it's a pretty collaborative – Approach. I I don't think this is something where Ballard is solely making decisions. Reich is solely making decisions. Like, you know, I, I Chris Ballard really liked Paris Campbell. Chris, we saw it with the first episode of With the Next Pick. Yep, it just came out a couple weeks ago. Ballard adamant to his scouts. We need to find traits. 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 Paris Campbell had the bluest of blue trait in talking about his speed. So let's not act like. That was all right, standing on a table for Campbell. There, he also had a thousand yards in the Big Ten. <laughs> I mean, like that's something to to note as well. Um, so yeah, I good talent maximizer. Yeah, that, that's probably something that you would throw there. I, I do think Frank can get the most out of what you have here. Um, so it, it, it's. It's a tough question, Logan, because, you know, you could talk to Ryan Grigson, you could talk to Chuck Pagano, and they'd probably differ on who ultimately had the most say in some of those draft picks. You know, did Pagano really want Deshaun Smith? Did Grigson really want TJ Green? Who wanted Bjorn Werner? You know, you go <laughs> on and on with, 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 with some of that stuff there. Um, so Frank has say, as he should. He, he should have say, but, I mean, listen to Jim Irsay talk about Chris Ballard. Boy. It's like a parent talking about a son, you know? He's obsessed with the dude, so yeah. he gives him a whole lot, as he should. He's a GM, but he puts him on a pretty high pedestal, and ultimately he's the one, you know, making the
1: decision. Kevin, Collin feels like the Colts might be looking at a quarterback position later in the draft that might be under the radar at this point. If so, do you, think, do you know who you think that might be, or also – do you think we might go get a veteran free agent quarterback and signing?
0: Yeah, um, I, I, I don't think a veteran QB. I, I, you know, maybe get a camp arm in here, but like James Morgan, Sam Ellinger, Matt Ryan, there's three. Maybe a draft one, but outside of that, you know, I, does Brett Hundley qualify? <laughs> you know, I, I like that type of training camp signing there. Um, so, maybe they do. Like, to me, I'm kind of done with the mindset of throw a dart at fifth or sixth round QB. Like, I'd rather see if you're going to make the quarterback investment, make it a little earlier in the draft. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people disagree with that. I've kind of explained that thinking already, but uh, yeah, veteran mindset, I I don't know. There's some names out there, but they clearly were content with Sam Ellinger being their backup last year. Right. I would assume they would be more than content with him being the backup this year.
1: So, Kevin, John's seen some rumors that the Giants would be willing to trade both of their fifth and seventh picks in the draft for Quentin Nelson. That feels ridiculous to him and feels like Chris Ballard, that might be his asking price. Is that real? Do you think we should jump on something like that? Would we get a quarterback and the trench guy for those positions he feels like that are worth at any guard, even a clear Hall of Famer?
0: Wow! 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 Chris, if um, if the Giants offered you that, and I'm Chris Ballard, I think I run to New York naked, (laughs) climb on Lady Liberty, I might I might jump in the water there. I mean, holy hell! Yeah,
1: that is a haul.
0: That is a haul, man. Yeah, I do it in a heartbeat. Like. What's quicker than a heartbeat? Those drag racers? I, I
1: Yeah. I don't even Is know. Is so Lucas Oil Speedway? Yeah,
0: something like that. Like, Yes, 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 <laughs> yes. All caps lock. The biggest font you can find. Yes. Neon lights. You're in a club.
1: So here's the thing, John. If that happens, just close the blinds because Kevin Bowen will be running naked to New York well, City. <laughs>
0: Blue run naked? Somebody in the organization run. I mean, the fifth and seventh pick. Right, You know, at fifth overall, draft whoever the hell you want. At seventh overall, trade back, take a guard. I don't know. Draft Malik Willis. I, gosh, I just – I don't even want to think about the possibilities with that because it's so unrealistic to me. And it gets me to – yeah. I, not good for my health <laughs> to think about it. Thank you for the question, John.
1: Last one comes from Bryce Kevin. He wants to know why we didn't see speed guys like DeMichael Harris – um, J.J. Nelson, Kiki Kuti get a chance to contribute more on the offense last season. Felt like Harris looked like a playmaker at times when he was able to get out there, but he didn't see, see a single snap all year.
0: Yeah, Bryce, it's a good question. I, the Harris one, was there an injury involved there? I'd have to go back and look. Um, I think he played like two offensive snaps all year because I did think he had a little bit of flash when his name has been called before. You know, when, when Campbell was gone, to me, I thought to myself, okay, are they going to go Kuti in that spot for the slot? Are they going to go Heinze? Like, they didn't really do that. So, um, it was kind of interesting how they didn't really go with the exact skill set that you thought. It was just like, more Pascal, more Hilton, more more Pittman. And I, I don't know. I just thought you could have got a little bit more slot skill set there. J.J. Nelson, I thought, got hurt. I could be wrong on that, price, But Harris is still on the roster. For those that missed it, I posted something on one of these whiteouts to emerge. That's up on 107.5thefan.com. And if you missed it, just message me, and I can send you the link.
1: Actually, Kevin, we got another international question here Ooh, for the last one on the podcast. A good
0: one to close on.
1: From Henrik, he wants to know anything about Chris Ballard and his trust with Matt Pryor. Do you think that we could potentially take a left tackle in the 42nd pick? Also, he wants to say thank you for the Greatest Colts podcast, and he wishes you and your family a happy Easter.
0: Henrik! Thank you for that. It means a lot. Happy Easter to you and everyone out there celebrating this weekend. We'll see how Rosie Bow does in the egg hunt.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right.
0: Um, Yeah, that should be an interesting sight. We've got her a Peppa Pig pig, so hopefully she's not listening to this or else (laughs) she will know what she's getting. Um. Give it to me one more time. Left tackle at 42.
1: Left tackle at 42. What are your thoughts there? Not
0: he- off the board at all. You know, part of me kind of likes this. Left tackle 42. Have Matt Pryor start at right guard. And Danny Pinter's your utility lineman in the interior. Um, Similar to quarterback, it it, it, it can't be off the board. It, it just, the position means too much. Matt Pryor isn't a guarantee. Uh, Joe writes, and, and Joe, it's, Admits this in the interview that you know he probably falls a little bit more on the Homer bandwagon as a fan, but I thought he had some really good insight as a former offensive lineman, former left tackle on Matt Pryor. Um, you know, I I said to Joe, I always again go off the Joe quote about offensive linemen are made, left tackles are born. It's pretty rare in today's NFL for a team to entrust left tackle to a guy that didn't play there in college and has two starts there in the NFL. Um, so I would not, even if like that tackle, let's say for some reason, Chris, that you hit on Matt Pryor and he is left tackle. It's still, I think important to have a tackle that, you know, again, can kind of be a swing player for you. Maybe that tackle moves into guard at some point. And then, you know, when Braden Smith gets to another contract extension, now that tackle can be asked to go play out there you know, moving forward, or something like that. So, um, and this is probably a little bit of Chris Ballard kind of creeping into my brain about offensive line depth and all of that, but, you know, if you're going to ask people in the win now camp what positions you're drafting, no one is saying quarterback, no one is saying offensive tackle. Those positions, the history at those spots say that in order to find quality there, you got to draft one, and you probably got to draft one pretty high. So I, I am in that line of thinking, and that's why I would not rule that out at all.
1: All right. Well, that does it for Twitter questions. Anything else you want to
0: add? I'd love—I just—I want a Reese's egg.
1: <laughs> is it, do you think that's one of the best Reese's?
0: Well, I'd argue this. Is there a bad Reese's?
1: No, there's not.
0: That'd be my first argument. Are you
1: a chocolate guy, or are you a gummy guy? Or are you—like, I'm a jelly bean guy myself.
0: Really? Okay. I, I'm not, like, all in on jelly bean. I'm, I'm a chocolate um, if you're going there, um, but yeah, that's that. Boy, now I'm, my mouth is watering thinking about <laughs> it. There, um,
1: if you ever go out to California, Kevin, um, the Jelly Belly Factory, you can purchase. I thought
0: you were gonna say the Gummy Factory.
1: No, no. <laughs> you, you could probably get. You well, that that's out there too. I'm, right. I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, the Jelly Belly Factory, you can buy. What um, city? It is in between San Jose and Monterey. I'm trying to right. remember exactly what the city is, um, but you can purchase the basically the runoffs, the ones that they don't, they kind of want to throw away. They're the same thing. Yeah, and you get them for cheap. Okay, it's it's amazing. It's awesome. It's a it's a fun little fun little store to pop into.
0: Yeah, I feel like that would honestly be kind of a fun a fun tour there. So, well, I hope in your eggs you find some jelly beans. Thank you. And uh, happy Easter again, everyone out there. And appreciate everybody continuing to tune in to the podcast. Hope you guys enjoy it. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. It's my favorite time of the week, getting in here with Chris and getting out the podcast. We'll continue to do it. You know, draft-wise, it's probably, yeah, I don't know if we'll be doing a pod after the draft Thursday night. I mean, certainly if they traded in the first round, then yes. But um, we'll kind of play that by ear as the draft gets closer. We are two weeks away from that. So more draft content up on the website, more draft content coming the podcast as well he's Chris Presley I'm Kevin Bowen everybody have a great week we'll talk to you next week this has been Kevin Bowen thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner if you haven't already subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage